0: This is the Author Archive Podcast. I'm David Freeman. Now, a new book published summer 2023, Life, Death and Madness in the Killing Fields of Iraq. It's by Barry, call me Baz Rice. We were Blackwater. Welcome, Barry. What what was or is Blackwater? Because many of us don't know.
1: Uh, Blackwater was a private military security company, US registered. It was formed during the rebuilding process in the Iraq war back in 2003.
0: And was it that it was an organization that could be hired by anybody?
1: Not, not, not really, no. Um, sort of Blackwater started as a targeting company in Moyok, North Carolina in the U.S., um, and they had secured the Department of State uh, close protection contract to look after Paul Bremer, who was the U.S. representative to run the show in Iraq. From there, they branched out into other contracts for the State Department and the U.S. government. The part of the company that I was involved with called Blackwater Commercial was formed once we were already in Iraq, and um, they saw an opening for providing security and protection for the rebuilding process and other parts that weren't specifically State Department controlled. And therefore, you could hire non-Americans and non-U.S. security security clearance uh, people.
0: So you were working sort of for the U.S., although you're a New Zealander.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was a U.S. registered company. So and we were we were closely tied to the U.S. of uh, what we did. So, yes.
0: If if you are in the U.S. Army, the U.S. state pays you. If you're working for Blackwater, who pays you?
1: Blackwater pays me. Yeah. Um, Now, with the contracts that I was on, the client or the company that had hired a part of Blackwater that I was with, they would pay Blackwater and then Blackwater would pay me. If you're on the State Department contract, then yes, the U.S. government would pay those people and through Blackwater and Blackwater would pay them. We weren't getting paid through the State Department or the U.S. We were getting paid through the company that had hired that part of Blackwater that I worked for to look after them.
0: Okay, um, now the Iraq War was some time ago. Your book is fresh out. Why, why has it taken yes. a while to get this out?
1: You know, I sort of started. Well, I did start writing this about maybe five years ago. Um, I was doing full-time close protection, and so I was just really writing down bits and pieces when I had a chance at a different hotel and whatever. And to be and, and originally, I didn't really think I had anything to write, but a good friend of mine who is a Hollywood writer. He's won a couple of Oscars for different movies he's been involved in. You know, suggested I write something down, and and I said I don't really have anything to write down, I don't think. But then once I started, it was kind of – it started to flow. And then I wasn't writing full-time. It would be – I've been a bit here and a bit there and a bit there. And I finished maybe three years ago – after three years of starting, and then there's been the two years of – rejection fine tuning (laughs) and uh the the normal thing a writer goes through i suppose
0: you're a proper writer now then um uh, when you
1: well after i got rejected yes they said you're a proper writer once you get rejected at least four times
0: yeah (laughs) who when you went to publishers and pitched your book who did you think would be interested who did you think you were who, who did you think your writer your reader would be
1: well, I thought my reader would be former military, former uh, contractors like myself. Um, there definitely, there's enough of us now because of the war and everything has kind of changed um, since the Iraq War. Where there's more an acceptance or of close protection in the in the military kind of sense, like I was doing. Uh, there's also quite a big audience for people who. Um, are not former military, but they like to play those uh, airsoft games, shooting, yeah. you know, and getting all dressed up and running around the trees, shooting each other. There's actually a bigger audience of those people, I was surprised to find out. Um, and also, you know, people who knew about us, who knew about contractors, and particularly Blackwater, but had no idea exactly what we did, but made their judgments based on maybe what they had read in the media or seen on TV, which wasn't necessarily true. So hopefully there's an audience out there who want to get a, 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 an inside idea of what we were like.
0: Now, reading it, I can't work out how you felt about it. Do you feel nostalgic yeah. about it? Because some of it feels just awful. It reads just yes. horrible. So um, when you look back and you, you remember for your book, how does it feel?
1: It is reflective. And the thing, how it, how it started, again, going back to my, my uh, friend who said, write something down. Um, he said, it'd be quite cathartic. It'd be good for you. You know, a bit of suffer a little bit of PTSD now. And I thought, yeah, okay, well, maybe I'll write something down and then I can deal with that. Um, and the first time I wrote it down, it was massive, 250,000 words. It was all cut down. And I felt better about what I had written. But after the fifth time of reading it, I was kind of thinking, well, maybe this isn't such a therapeutic exercise after all, because I keep reading everything that kicks me off. And um, I've read it so many times now and, and the reactions don't change. I still have to stop. I still tear up at certain parts of it, um, even now, where had I not written it, I don't think I think I would have quite successfully buried it and, and not really dealt with the problems. Um, it, it's kind of a catch-22 where it comes to dealing with something uh, like PTSD and, and whatever else. Um, how I feel about it, you know, uh, I did a job. I was there to do a job. I was there to make to make a, to make make money, uh, to make a living for my family. It's something that any of us in the military will, will know that you cannot do in the military. They just don't pay you enough to, to apply the skills that you've learned in, in Civvy Street when you get out. And this was a golden opportunity. And as I write in the book, you know, was I was I making my living on the backs of the Iraqi people and that whole mess that was thrown upon them? Yeah I was. Do I feel guilty about my part in it? I, I do. But would I change it? No, I wouldn't. Um, it's it's what I needed to do for me to make a living. I never did anything and none of none of my people did, none of my guys ever did anything illegal or that could warrant being criminal or anything like that. We, we, we certainly didn't do any of that. So I don't have that kind of guilt. But, you know, it's, it's a catch-22, hour feel. I wouldn't change it, though. I mean, I did what I needed to do at the time in order to be able to continue living or make a living.
0: So when you're in Blackwater, you've got lots of guns, you've got comrades. Every single comrade has um, a nickname which uh when you start reading yes. the book <laughs> uh, you think ah who are these guys because they have weird names but who were in your in your world who were the good guys who were you fighting for and who were the bad guys
1: we were fighting for each other and and my team we were fighting for each other you in battle you you form such a brotherhood and a bond that um the guys who were working for me and my team because I was the team leader it was for each other. Secondarily, it was for people in the company, each other in the company. But primarily, it was my group of guys. We were fighting for each other. Um, anyone who wasn't, who was Iraqi or who was had a gun and was pointing it towards us, we were fighting against them. Um, and that's how we made that distinction. The, the, the other problem we had was uh, the U.S. military because they were, and even though they were the... You can, you know, unquote sort of good guys on our side, or we we're on their side. We had a lot of run ins with them, and uh, you know, there was nothing we could do about that. We just had to be very careful. So, you know, primarily it was each other, it was the brothers that you were right next to you every day.
0: So, you are the boss of that little group. Who do you report to? Who's your boss?
1: Yes. Okay, now each contract has a project manager, uh, that project manager then reports to, well, back to the States directly. So there's, it's, it's very military, the whole rank sort of structure. So I report to the project manager. He tells me what we need to be doing on, on different days today until I became a project manager myself. Um, and then I report to the overall command, whoever's in charge of everybody in Baghdad. And then they report back to everyone back in the States. So it's, there's a the whole rank structure. Um, If anything goes wrong, then maybe the State Department will get involved in it or other entities within the CPA will get involved. But uh, that was an extreme case.
0: Now, this is some time ago. Every time you turn on the news now, we get uh, news of a different war. Your experience um, as a private contractor, do you see your experience being repeated in the war that's going on now can we read your book and use that information to understand what's going on now?
1: What has been happening now in, in Ukraine is, is a little different. Um, with the Wagner Group, they're more a they're more like an infantry type of unit. Um, they're not; they're just, they're private contractors on the count of that they were civilians, former military, and they're getting paid by someone to put a uniform back on. We didn't wear uniforms uh we were civilian it's, it's it's mind you they also have contracts I have seen them a bit over in Africa um, but they are they are a little different than how we were. They're kind of working directly with if not ahead of the Russian military. We were trying to be separate from the US military or from the coalition military. We were trying to do a civilian job. so the only similarities I, I see, is that we were being paid by a private entity? Uh, we were doing kind of different roles. We weren't combat like Wagner Wagner Group is doing in the Ukraine. We were in frontline combat.
0: How did you stop being frontline combat? Um, what happened to get you from there to here?
1: Well, when I left the military, I was I was in the uh, New Zealand SAS, and um, you know I'd spent ten years in the military in total, and. It's kind of because of New Zealand's geography and our political situation, it didn't seem to be that there was going to be any opportunity that would be sent away to do anything anytime soon. You know, and it's not up to a soldier. When a soldier says, you know, I went to here and I went to there, well, you didn't say I'm going to go to this war, it was up to the government. You know, so I sort of, I made up my mind that after 10 years in the military, my body was going to probably fall fall to pieces in in another 10 years. we're not going to be going anywhere anytime soon that I can see. So I want to try and utilize the skills that I've learned, but as a civilian and get paid accordingly. Um, so I left and I did lots of uh, protection contracts in Southeast Asia, Brunei, uh, Philippines, Hong Kong, um, or in fact, all around the world. Until the opportunity came in, in 2003, when the Americans or George Bush opened it up for private military contracting to do the rebuilding. So the, the timing was perfect for me, you know? Well, of course, you know, afterwards the guys went to Afghanistan and whatever else, but that was many years after I'd already got out. So, you know, yeah. you, you can't foresee that. So you got make to the, make the most of what you can see at the, at the time.
0: When you look back, when you write, uh, when you read your book, some of the times are just plain grim. Is that how you remember it? Is that how you meant to write it?
1: Yeah, some of the times we're very grim, uh, very grim, um, for all of us, and but more more so for the Iraqi civilians, I think, more than anybody. And uh, their, their story, I don't think, has been told about what they were put through, um, even before the invasion. But what we went through was, was grim. But the one thing the military does teach you is, um, to just deal with it and get on with the job, yeah. You know, but it's, it's...
0: <laughs> uh, but you must but that's that's all that's easy to say. Um, did alcohol play any part? Oh yes,
1: in fact, it became it became a, a big part, and for me, it became um, my daily coping, my nightly coping mechanism. Until it got to a point where it it controlled me, you know, and I, I had a very serious alcohol problem by the time I left. Uh, you know, you numb your you numb your senses as much as possible. We celebrated living through each and every day, and we we had a we had a few beers after every night, at every night, because not everybody made it through every day. Um, And then it gets to a point where you become quite sort of desensitized to anything. Um, The sounds of mortars, the sounds of 50-cal machine guns, the sounds of explosions don't affect you anymore. Um, The sounds of silence affect you. You can't go to sleep. You know, when you'd go home, um, the intolerance I got with, uh, my children, for example, when you know they were just doing mundane kids' things, and I would in my head be comparing it to, to what i would seen in Iraq with some of the kids that I'd seen who who didn't have the options, and I was I was losing I was losing my control, uh, and alcohol seemed to be a way I could sort of mask that um, until I got to the point where it was it was basically, I was just drinking far too much, and it became very destructive for me.
0: And that's in the past as well.
1: That's in the past. Yes, I um, I stopped drinking thirteen years ago. I was on a contract in uh, in Central Africa, uh, drinking far too much. I didn't really thought it was doing as much damage as it was because you never do. And then my wife gave me the ultimate uh, the ultimatum was you know if you don't stop drinking you don't come home, and I said sort I of went yeah okay I'll drink to that, and um, she meant it. And uh, so when everybody left Kenya, uh, where everyone was flying out of, I was the only mug left standing at the airport all by myself. And so I didn't really have it. I had two choices, actually. Clean my act up or carry on doing what I'm doing and just say, you know what, I can go and live in Africa and do whatever. But I chose to clean my act up. And then one day I decided I'm never going to drink again. And the day I made that decision, I haven't touched a drop of alcohol since.
0: The book is about your time in Iraq. What's the thought you're left with about the locals? How do you remember them, and how do you think of them now?
1: I sympathise with the Iraqi people, to be honest. Um, I, I, I've taken a little saying out of the book, Shantaram at the beginning, um, you know, about forgiveness. And it's not just me forgiving them, or, and hopefully them forgiving so forgiving us. I mean, we lost some some friends in some very horrific ways, but they were doing what they needed to do in order to to fight an invasion basically i have no ill feeling towards anybody back then who was taking up arms against us um they were doing what they were they had to do and we were doing what we had to do
0: Um, with the overview you come over sort of philosophical from time to time you take the overview from where you sit and what you've done what's your overview of human nature I rather idealistically think, ah, I wish we'd stop fighting. I wish, you know, I wish Putin wouldn't do that. I wish, you know, I I can never understand why the bloke who's got the biggest country in the world wants a bigger country. What's your view of human nature?
1: Human nature, in my view, are designed to kill each other until we're totally done. It's in our DNA, I believe. (laughs) I believe we don't have the ability to not, not fight, to not control, to not want to take from each other. And I think we're designed that way. So we will eventually wipe ourselves out. Then nature is going to go, you know what? I've I've done it again. I'm going to have a rest, and then they'll come back a few million times and we'll just go through this whole process again. But I believe it's what we're destined to do. Um, If we didn't, you imagine if we didn't, we'd overpopulate this planet and ruin it a lot faster than what what we're doing now because there'd be far too many people. So I think it's in our DNA to... Conflict and, and to want to want more and fight each other for it. So oh. I don't think we can help ourselves.
0: That's a bit pessimistic, isn't it?
1: Well, I can't really see that I'm wrong. <laughs> That's what we've been doing ever since we've been, we've been here, as far as I can see. You know, I mean, I'd love to think it'd be different, but when you know, it's when you see it firsthand, you think, you know what. I remember when I first got to bed yet, I said, this is going to take at least 20 years. And it's been 20 years and it's, it's still not finished. It's still, it's still horrible for them, you know.
0: But you now live happily with your wife, who's still there in, in Spain. Yes. So what, what do you do now when you get up in the morning? You don't put the gun on. What do you do?
1: No, I get up early. Um, I'm an early riser. I walk the dogs. You know, one of the effects of it is uh, we do live way up on a hill, miles away from everybody else. Um, I thrive I, I isolation um, and quiet. I, I I get up early. I walk the dogs. I do every all my work around the property. We have uh, we have some land, and then uh, I play golf. I have a few friends, not many, um, and I like to play golf because it takes four and a half hours, and then I'm back home to just be by myself, away from the dogs. That's how I like it. Um, I don't travel very much at all now because uh, I travelled so extensively when I was when I was working that I can't stand airports or aeroplanes, uh, mainly people, to be honest. Um, and I just sort of like to
0: keep to myself. Well, you know, thanks to Zoom, you talk to me. Um, so technology <laughs> comes to the rescue. Where we were, Blackwater, is the story of the Life in Iraq led by Barry Baz Rice. Congratulations on the book, Barry. I hope it does very well for you.
1: Thank you very much, David. And lovely talking to you.
0: This is the Author Archive Podcast.